welcome. Thank you for tuning in with us this morning in worship. Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, and open to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 through verse 9 will be our text this morning. Maybe you have heard about the old fellow who was uh, told, cheer up, man. Things could be worse. So this guy did what he was told. He cheered up, and sure enough, things got worse. Well, when we get to 2 Timothy 3, we can know this. Based on 2 Timothy 3, that sure enough, things will be worse. This list here in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9, is precisely what has happened in our nation. There could be no time... No text more timely than this one in regards to what's been happening even this week. So, church, cheer up. Things could be worse. Or, as Paul tells us, sure enough, they will be worse. So, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. We'll read that in just a second. Uh, this Wednesday night, upcoming Wednesday night, Tanya and I are going to do a Q&A up here. So, we need some questions from you. It can be questions. Ask us anything about family, parenting, church, whatever you want to ask us. We'd love to get to those. So, send those questions in. Uh, also... Uh, this last week, uh, I'll just go ahead and answer one of the questions for you today. So last week, Tanya couldn't sleep. She was up and she began to make a list of things that she fears more than COVID-19. And she was telling me about this list and talking to me about it. And I'd been studying 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9, and God just kind of birthed that idea in my heart that, hey, that would be a good approach to this text. 19 contagions, I fear more than COVID-19. So if you've ever wondered, and by the way, here in verse 1 through 5 in 2 Timothy 3, there's a list of 19, not 18, not 15, but 19 contagions uh, that I fear that we should all fear more than COVID-19. So if you've ever wondered if Tanya's been writing my sermons for the last eight years, the question is yes, she has. So you don't have to ask that question. I just answered it. So we're going to look at this list, but first we're going to read the text. So Check this out, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Notice what the Bible says, but understand this. Do you see this little phrase right here? There's a lot we don't understand. There's a lot I don't understand. We don't have all the details. We don't have our questions answered. We don't have the why question answered. But there's one thing that God wants us to clearly understand and know. Here's what it is. Timothy, the Holy Spirit says through Paul, I want you to know this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Has that seemed to be true or untrue? Fairly true, isn't it? Verse 2, for people will be. Now you say, what's our problem? Like, what's the problem of the last days? Like, what is our problem? Notice what the problem is. You see what the problem is? For what? People. People are the problem. Right? People are the problem. Not anything but you and I. We are the problem. You and me. For people will be, look at this, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, 
avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janies and Jambres oppose Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Uh, Father, we are grateful for your word this morning. We understand and we know that in these times, these days, there will be difficult times. That has proven true. So God, we pray that as you pierce our hearts today, as you've done with this particular passage for over 2,000 years, you have pierced the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. And we pray you'll continue to do that today. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said. So today we've got a list, and we're going to treat it like a list. We're going to go through the list one by one. Here's the first contagion that I fear more than COVID-19. Number one, I've worded it this way, making it all about us. The word in the letter here, in verse number three, or two rather, is the word lovers of self. That's a compound word. Phileo and altos, love self, uh, pleaser of self. Think of it as narcissistic, narcissism. Always focusing on yourself and myself. Yet the Bible tells us something different. The Bible doesn't say love yourself. The Bible says love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. Love your wife. I hope your wife is not your enemy. <laughs> right? Love one another, but not love ourselves. You see, we lavish what we have and who we are on the one in whom we love. God has held nothing back, church. He has lavished on us His love. He's not held back His mercy. He's not held back His kindness. He's not held back His grace. He has demonstrated His love for us in this, that while we were His enemies, Christ died for us. God has lavished on us everything that He has and all that He is. So, if you love yourself, you're going to lavish yourself. Right? If you love God, you're going to lavish the Lord. So, how do you know if you're a lover of self? Very simple. This is very simple. Here's how you know if you're a lover of self. You and I both know that today, in today's world, everyone is offended by something, right? And someone is offended by everything. So, if you're easily offended, you are a lover of self. And if that statement just offended you, you are a lover of self. That's how you know that. If you're easily offended... You are thinking far too highly of yourself. Think about it this way. Baseball, the point of baseball is not bat boys. Bat boys are not the point of baseball. You don't go to a baseball game to watch bat boys retrieve bats. No almanac has stats of bat boys in it, right? Baseball is not about bat boys. This life is not about you. It's about you pointing people to Jesus. I fear that more than anything else in my own heart to be I'm making it all about us. Number two. Second contagion, I fear way more than COVID-19, making it all about money. Making it all about money. Not only do I fear uh, making it about us saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm sort of a big deal, but I also fear making it all about money. And the Bible here says in verse 2, for the people will be lovers of money. 
Uh, Paul has already said in 1 Timothy 6, he said that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So he's already said that. So Paul is not, he's not coming against somebody earning a living to support their family. He's not making it about making money. He was a tent maker who made money to support. So he's not doing that. What he's saying is when we make it all about money, that's something we should fear and avoid altogether. For example, if you have food on your table, if you have a roof over your head, if you have a place to sleep, you are wealthier than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank, money in your wallet, a little spare change in a dish, you're in the top 8% of the wealthiest people on this planet. So don't fall for the greedy, green-eyed monster of more. Avoid that at all costs. Paul says avoid it. One pastor said it this way, Jesus provides our needs not our greeds. Our greatest need is Jesus. It's Him. God said Himself. Jesus said you can't be devoted to the Almighty Dollar and the Almighty God. You've got to be devoted to one or the other. You say, why do you fear this idea of materialism more than COVID-19? Well, let me ask you a question. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Number three, the third contagion I fear way more than COVID-19 is making it all about entertainment. This idea of lovers of pleasure, it says in verse 4. The idea is hedonism, this pursuit of pleasure. So if loving self is narcissism and loving money is materialism, then this one, loving pleasure, is hedonism, this pursuit of pleasure in your life. Rick Warren has a great illustration of this. He described these three as the traps that ruin so many ministry and so many homes and so many lives. Narcissism, materialism, hedonism. He describes them as narcissism is to be. Materialism is to have. Hedonism is to feel. To be, to have, to feel. He says you can look at any commercial, any marketing ad, they're targeting one of those three. To be, to have, to feel. These temptations crush families, churches, homes, marriages, ministries. Avoid them, Paul says. Avoid them at all costs. No wonder 53% of 16 to 20-year-olds would give up their sense of smell rather than give up their social media platforms. Listen, may it be our pleasure, my pleasure and your pleasure, to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Number four, the fourth contagion I fear way more than COVID-19 is being a hater of good. In verse 3, it says, for people will not be not loving good. They'll be a hater of good. Now, please understand what, what, what the Scripture's teaching here. It's, it's this idea of you know better and you hate good anyway. It's not describing someone who doesn't know the difference between right and wrong. For example, I've known for a long time, and I don't believe the report's coming out now, I've I believed for a long time that two spaces between sentences is the right way. That's how I was raised up. That's how I was trained. Two spaces, not one. Right, now, you, now, you may believe the other position on that. You may believe that one space is the right way. So the idea here is not that, hey, I don't know what good and evil is. You may believe something's right. I may believe something's wrong. And so you say it's good. I say it's bad. But here, here's what Paul is getting at here. Here's what Paul's getting at. These are folks that know what is good. They know what is evil. And they call evil good. And they call good evil. They clearly know the difference. They call darkness light and light darkness. They call sweet bitter and bitter sweet. And they know better all the while. 
So beware, avoid such ungodly examples to be a hater of good. I've known for a long time that hands on your knees was the right way to recover, not hands on your head, right? I don't hate that. I never will. Number five, the fifth contagion I fear way more than COVID-19, haters of God. Verse four says lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. These are those who hate God. In other words, they don't prefer him. They're devoted to something else besides being devoted to the Lord. You remember how Jesus reinstated Peter, right? He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than Peter? He didn't just simply ask him, do you love me? But do you love me more than? Do you love me more than social media surrounding me? Do you love me more than messages about me? Do you love me more than messengers from me? Do you love me more than ministry for me? That was the question. Do you love me or do you love what you can do for me? Or what you can get from me? Or do you love me? These are those who are haters of God. They prefer themselves other than God. Jesus told Nicodemus, For God so loved the world, not that the world so loved God, but that God so loved the world. He goes on to say, and this is judgment, that the light came into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light. Avoid such ungodly examples. That's a contagion I fear way more than COVID-19. Number six. Now, if you read through, the, through this list, you come to this one and you have to scratch your head. And you have to think, now, wait a minute. If anything is out of place here, I mean, this is a brutal list. It sounds like it's a profile for a Viking barbarian. And here in the middle of it is disobedient to parents. Like, what? Like, disobedient to their parents? Like, how did that get in there? Paul must have had two lists going, and he accidentally put this one in the wrong list or something. Why disobedient to their parents? Paul believed the Holy Spirit through Paul is proclaiming that, hey, this is the spark. Disobedient to their parents is the spark that ignites the flame that leaves our homes in ashes. If your child in your home can get away with being disobedient. Now, we're all disobedient. We all disobey. The key is we can't let our children get away with it. If they get away with it in the home, they'll think, hey, I can get away with it out of the home. And they'll disobey this authority and that authority. And ultimately, the main authority, God himself. Murray said this, there is no substitute for obedience. Now, I know we think it's cute when children disobey their parents. God doesn't. Flat out, He doesn't. He takes this very seriously. Disobedient to their parents. I fear that way more than I fear COVID-19. God's message, obey me and be blessed. Disobey me and be cursed. Number seven, this kind of feeds off of number six, a sense of entitlement. That's a contagion I fear way more than COVID-19. A sense of entitlement. The word here in verse number two is the word ungrateful, unthankful. Can I ask you a question? What happened to thank you? What has happened to thank you? Thank you has disappeared. It's gone. Why? Well, pastor, I read the New Testament and I just get so weary of reading how thankful Paul was all the time. Almost every letter Paul wrote, he's got this section of thanksgiving and I'm just weary of how thankful Paul was. Well, guess what? God is weary of how unthankful you are. 
and how unthankful I am and how unthankful we are. Here's the idea. Ingratitude, ungratefulness, unthankfulness, taking things for granted. Here's the danger, parents. When you teach your child from the time they're born that everything is about them, that they are the epicenter of your life, that they're the epicenter of your home, that they deserve everything, that they get anything and everything they want. Here's, here's, here's how dangerous that is. Here's the danger in that. It goes against the very notion of grace. When, when you raise a child and they think that they deserve everything and they get this sense of entitlement, they will grow up to despise grace. Because the whole notion of grace is you get what you don't deserve. You don't get what you do deserve. That's justice. Grace is you get what you don't deserve. So be mindful of that. How dangerous it is to raise up a child who will grow up despising the whole idea that we receive kindness and goodness and mercy and salvation from God even though we don't deserve it when they think all the while I've deserved everything. I'm special. I'm entitled. I'm a big deal, right? Be careful of that. Teach them to say thank you and keep hammering thank you into their little hearts. Take gratitude and thankfulness and gratefulness and drive it down into their heart. William Shakespeare wrote, how sharper than a serpent's tooth is a thankless child. Number eight. Eighth contagion, I fear way more than COVID-19. Staying apart without being set apart. Now we're practicing six feet apart. I get it. And we're going to do that. And we're going to do our part. And we're going to stay six feet apart. But my fear here is that we put more stock into being safe physically, into being staying apart physically than we do set apart spiritually. We put more stock in the physical life than we do the spiritual life. That terrifies me. It should terrify you as well. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. And the word for number eight, you'll find it in verse two, it's the word unholy. The word holy means to be set apart for God, by God, to hear and do his word. Unholy means you're not set apart. I fear taking our physical life way more seriously than our spiritual life. Way more than I do COVID-19. Number nine. Number nine, I've worded it this way, is an indifferent heart. Here in 2 Timothy 3.3, it is the word heartless. Uh, it is the word that you can think of as... Um, inhuman almost because see we don't we're not born naturally loving God and the things of God and the people of God we love God because he first loved us and when he demonstrated his love for us he loves us and so then we can love him and love others but most humans have an affection for their own family even if they're lost even if they're depraved in mind and they at least have that but here the explanation is they don't even have that like even that's gone it's how brutal it's getting in the last days. That even that human affection is gone. The word is inhuman, heartless, unloving, an indifferent heart. I saw a report of a, of, of a, in Minneapolis, a news reporter running alongside a rioter who had just stolen from a local business. He said, why are you stealing from businesses in your community? And the guy just said, I don't care. I don't care. I mean, that's the kind of heartless that we've got to be mindful of. I fear it way more than I fear COVID-19. Number 10 is unwilling to forgive or be forgiven. It's an unwi the key here is unwillingness to do that. 
unwillingness. The word here that's used in verse 3 is unappeasable, irreconcilable, a truce breaker. One who is just not willing to reconcile, just not willing to come to the table and negotiate. Just not willing at all. I thought that was what was going to happen with Major League Baseball with the owners and the Players Association. It apparently got pretty close. But this is the idea, just an unwillingness to forgive one another. But here's what the gospel says. The gospel says that the unforgiven can be forgiven. Aren't you so grateful you've been forgiven? The gospel says that the forgiven must forgive. And the gospel tells us that God the Son prayed for us and said, Father, forgive them. And then God the Father followed through because the Bible says that God forgave us in Christ Jesus. So forgive one another. Hey, what a beautiful picture this is. In fact, the only unforgivable sin is rejecting the forgiveness that comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Number 11, lacking self-control. Man, I fear this way more than I fear COVID-19. Lacking self-control. The word here is just that, without self-control. You'll see it in verse 3, without self-control. Isn't it just so tragic that we look around and we see ourselves eating ourselves up in our marriages because we can't control our tempers? Or eating ourselves up literally with food and obesity because we can't control our appetites. We have a lack of self-control. Or just spinning ourselves into debt because we don't have any control over our spending habits. I read the other day, the American family, average American family, buys a new home every five years. Are you kidding me? Seriously, why? Because we have no control over this pursuit of satisfaction in anything and everything except in the person of Christ. Man, I fear that in my own heart, this lacking self-control. Number 12, the 12th contagion I fear way more than COVID-19 is in verse 3, and it's the word brutal. And the word is savage or fierce or untamed. I've worded it brutally unapproachable. Like you try to approach an untamed wild beast to pet them. Probably not a good idea. <laughs> Just brutally unapproachable. I had uh, one of my friends the other day telling me that one of his family members tried to approach a raccoon and pet it, and the raccoon just went off on him, right? Because they're, they're just unapproachable. You don't approach a wild, untamed beast. And so that's the picture, one who attacks and tears down and tears apart, that kind of attitude and spirit. When you put yourselves above others, you demean them. And this is the spirit of that person, being viciously, savagely, fierce, and brutal. The opposite is kindness. That's kind of Sarah Grace's parents were in town this week, and they brought, me some, they, they brought some gumbo to our house. Praise the Lord. That's kindness. You speak in my love language, you bring me some gumbo from New Orleans. Yes, kindness is the opposite of this here. Number 13, the 13th contagion I fear more than COVID-19. Number 13, outwardly making much of self. Outwardly, boastfully, loud and proud, saying, yep, I'm sort of a big deal. Making it known outwardly. The word here is proud, we see in verse number 2. It means to be boastful with words, with tweets, with posts with text, outwardly, claiming greatness that you don't have, right? I mean, that's, that's the picture here. But the gospel says something different. The gospel says that God can do a lot with a little. Think about David. David and Goliath. You remember that? These two are on the battlefield, right? 
And Goliath is ready to charge, and David's ready to charge. But David doesn't come to him with sword and spear and shield. He comes to him in the name of the Lord his God. David isn't boasting in his armor. He's not boasting in his weapons. He's not boasting in his ability. He is boasting in the Lord. And David has, as Tony Evans has pointed out, (laughs) David only had five smooth stones. But he only needed one. Why? Because God can do a lot with a little. So don't bo- if you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. As the psalmist says in Psalm 34. The idea here is outwardly being boastful. Number 14. The 14th contagion I fear way more than COVID-19. Inwardly making much of self. Not outwardly, but inwardly. This has the idea of being arrogant, not in words but in thoughts, thinking much of yourself, making much of yourself inwardly. I I don't see myself as a very loud, proud, boastful kind of person. However, I'm probably the most arrogant person inwardly you'll ever meet. In fact, I'm arrogant about the fact that I'm not arrogant. That's the epitome of arrogance right there. That's it. That's the picture here. Elevating ourselves. I, I, sometimes I think of myself like Barry Switcher, the, the football coach. In, in college, he was coaching a team in the national championship. And that week, Sports Illustrated called his office. And during practice, he left to go take the call. And on his way back to his office, he's thinking, man, what's the interview going to be like? What's my picture going to look like on the front of SI? And he's, he's walking back to the office. He picks up the phone. And the voice on the other end says, sir, your subscription to Sports Illustrated has run out. Would you like to renew? That's a way to humble somebody, isn't it? Yes, this inward, proud, arrogant thought of yourself. Man, I fear that. I struggle with that. And I fear it way more than COVID-19. Why? Because, listen, God opposes the proud. He doesn't oppose those who have COVID-19. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's why I fear it more than some physical virus that can only harm the body. Number 15. What's a contagion I fear way more than COVID-19? Abusive in word or action. The word here in verse number two is abusive. Meaning uh, spiritually, relationally, physically, emotionally, psychologically. Just abusive in word or in deed. I've read report after report that says sadly domestic violence and violence against the elderly is on the uptick during this COVID-19 pandemic. Not decreasing increasing the reason this is so dangerous is that when we elevate ourselves we lower those in our lives yet the gospel says something different the gospel says you should look not only to your own interest but also to the interest of others number 16 contagion i fear way more than COVID 19 quick to speak quick to tweet or post i fear that way more than any virus that can harm us physically. Quick to speak, tweet, or post. Uh, The the word here in verse 3 is slanderous, malicious gossip. Uh, Just being uh, one who has to hit sin. Listen, you don't have to hit sin. You don't have to hit pose. You don't have to hit tweet. Don't hit it. You don't have to run to social media before you run to Jesus. Please don't do it. C.S. Lewis said it like this. I have often repented of speech, but hardly ever of silence. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, tweet, or post. 
Man, I fear that way more than COVID-19. Number 17, 17th contagion, I fear a ton more than COVID-19. Taking the title of Judas over the name of Jesus. Now, let me explain this one. The word here in verse 4 is treacherous. And the idea is taking the title of Judas over the name of Jesus. This word in 2 Timothy 3, 4, treacherous, is the same word found in Luke 6, 16. That is a description of who Judas was. The Bible says Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, the one who became a traitor. That word for traitor is the same word we see here in 2 Timothy 3, 4 is treacherous, betraying, being a traitor, turning your back on your own and, and betraying them. Man, I fear that a ton more than COVID-19 because that leads to the path that Judas took. Judas took rather than the path that Christ has laid out for us. I also heard out of California the governor say they've had more deaths by suicide since January than deaths from COVID-19. That's the Judas path. We want to steer away from that path. We want to follow the Lord, the name above every name. We want to avoid a life that takes the title of traitor over the name of Jesus. Avoid that altogether. Number 18, the 18th contagion I fear way more than COVID-19. Stopping at nothing to get ahead. Like an anything goes attitude. Man, if that hadn't been this week, I don't know what has been. People just doing whatever they want to do. Just, hey, you, you want to kill a man, kill a man. You, you want to riot, riot. I mean, it is nuts. It is crazy. It is insane that people are doing what's right in their own eyes. It's, the wheels have come off. It's crazy to see what's happening. This anything goes stopping at nothing to get ahead. Be, and the word here in verse 4 is reckless or rash or thoughtless. Just doing anything to prove a point, to win an argument, to get ahead. Whatever you want to do to put yourself in the right, playing out before our eyes in our nation right this very moment. It's that pharisaical attitude that says, Lord, I'm here. I don't need you, but if you need me, I'm over here if you need me. It's not the tax collector attitude that says, Lord, have mercy on my soul. Man, what a tragedy to see people stopping at nothing to get ahead. And hey, this is what I fear in my heart. Again, we'll get there in a second. Last one, number 19. The 19th contagion, I fear way more than COVID-19. Thinking of how much others think of you. Thinking of how much others think of you and how much they think of me and how much they think of us. The word, you know, if I had a word in 2020 that I despise, like one word, if you said, hey, give me a word that you don't like in 2020, here's the word, perception. I don't like that word perception. I don't like the fact that we make decisions, we get medicated, we get stressed out, we get anxious, we buy into conspiracy theories because we're thinking about how people perceive us. And we make decisions based upon that, about this perception. Now, the word here in verse 4 is the word swollen with conceit. You can think of it as swollen with self-importance, okay? <laughs> Thinking too highly of yourself. Now, please understand, you need to know you matter to God. Like, God loves you, and you matter to Him, and that's all that matters. You matter to God, and He's proved that you matter to Him. But when we fall into this trap, of thinking that people are thinking of us. Let me encourage us to be careful on this slippery slope. Making it about us. Believing that, hey, people are thinking about us and getting this higher, bloated, 
swollen self-importance. Let me help you out here. I've told you this before. People are not thinking of you. Like, they're not even thinking of you. Like, you're not that important. Like, let me prove it. What do you think of? Who do you think of? Yourself, right. Okay, that's what they're thinking of. They're not thinking of you. They're thinking of themselves. And here's what Paul says about this list. And man, what a list, huh? And Paul has other lists. Please understand, Paul has another list in the letter of the church at Corinth. And it's a list of sufferings and hardships. And what Paul says there is, join me in this suffering. You join me, Timothy, in suffering for the gospel. Join me in this. But here's a list that Paul lays out, and here's what he clearly says in verse 5. Look at verse number 5. They have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. Avoid such people. So here's the big idea. I call it the takeaway of this message today. It reads this way. Avoid a life devoid of Christ. What we have read in these five verses is a life devoid of Christ. They have no power. They deny. It's not that they don't have it. They deny the power. They have an appearance of godliness, but they deny it. And Paul says, avoid these ungodly examples. Avoid a life devoid of Christ. Because please understand, these people, I know we read this and we're thinking, man, the Vikings, the barbaric Vikings have invaded Ephesus apparently. Because this is a brutal list describing people that are just depraved in mind and have gone off the track and the wheels have come off and they're living under this appearance of godliness but have no power in the Lord to back it up. But please understand, this is not describing Babylonians or Romans. This is not describing pagans. This is describing the church, the local church. Like in the last days, this is going to be the spirit of the church, of church goers. People you're going to be sitting next to next week are described right here. None of us are exempt from this. Our hearts are not exempt from this kind of living. I pray to God Almighty as Paul pleads with us, avoid such people. Avoid these ungodly examples. These were the false teachers in the church in in Paul's day, in Timothy's day. He says, "Avoid, avoid a life devoid of Christ. That's how we can think of it today. Why should I do that, Pastor? Why should I avoid a life devoid of Christ? Well, number one, a life devoid of Christ is a lie. That's clear. They have an appearance of godliness, but they're empty. It's a lie. They come to church every Sunday. They teach in life groups. They've been going to church all their life. And and they're lost. They don't know Christ. They're a cultural Christian. Christian by name only. No change. No transformation. Empty on the inside. They appear godly, but completely empty. It's a lie. It's a total lie. And we see it's not only a lie in this regard, that they appear to have godliness, but they don't. But look at the rest of the lie. They creep in. They go behind the scenes. They go in private. They're not out in public. They're going behind. They're going into households. They're capturing weak people, women and families. and They're always learning. But they never arrive at the knowledge of the truth. You ever met somebody like that that's always learning? Brilliant, but never arriving at the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because it's a lie. It's a lie. So that's why we need to avoid a life devoid of Christ. It's a lie. Second reason we need to avoid a life devoid of Christ, it doesn't last. Like, look what Paul says at the end of this in verse 9. But they'll not get very far. Like, it's not going to last, man. 
Women, boys, girls, their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. These two men, Jannies and Jambres. In Moses' day, Jewish tradition tells us, they're not in the Bible anywhere else, but Jewish tradition tells us they were two of the magicians that copied Moses in his uh, miracles at the Exodus. And even some say they could have been there forming the golden calf at Mount Sinai. They opposed Moses in his day. So these two, Hymenaeus and Philetos, they too are opposing the gospel truth. Today, people oppose the truth. So it doesn't last. They don't get very far. And this doesn't last. So avoid a life devoid of Christ. One, it's a lie. Two, it doesn't last. Matthew Henry said it like this, This world is our passage. It's not our portion. Thomas Watson said it like this, As believers, we are more sure to arise out of our graves than we are out of our beds in the morning. That's the certainty and the surety we have in Christ. So I want to plead with you to avoid a life devoid of Christ. I want to plead with you to put your faith and trust in Christ alone. Aren't you tired of the lie? Aren't you tired of this kind of living empty and void of truth and peace and joy? The answer, our hope for this nation, for our hearts, for our church, the answer is Jesus. Now, I know you've heard that all your life. That's the Sunday school answer. Let me tell you, that's the truth. He's our only hope. Like, He's our answer. Like, He came and lived perfectly. Never once did He live, as we see described here in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Not one time. He lived perfectly and justly and rightly. And he died sacrificially and was raised victoriously and gives life to whosoever will. So please avoid a life devoid of Christ. We want to talk to you about that. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you've never experienced peace of God and peace with God, you can right now, even in the midst of the chaos, you can experience peace. And the way you do that is to put your faith in Jesus. What does that mean? Here's what it means to put your faith in Christ. You believe the gospel, the good news. that says Jesus died for you. He paid the penalty for you. He was buried and he was bodily resurrected. If you'll believe that and then put your trust in what Jesus did for you, then you'll be saved. You'll be made new. You'll have peace and joy right now in the Lord. We want that for you. So please reach out to us. Text us to this number on the screen. The name Jesus. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk to you about putting your faith in Christ and avoiding a life that leads to ruin, that's a lie, that doesn't last, that is devoid of Christ. Here's the good news. These last days are going to, listen, they're brutal. However, they don't last. Isn't that good news? The last days are days that don't last. Now for many in the last days, that will be their last dance. But you don't have to take that chance. You can put your faith in Christ encourage you to text us and let us know you want to do that or you've done that and you want to be baptized or you need prayer let us know what you need let me challenge you avoid a life devoid of Christ why because it's a lie and it doesn't last avoid a life devoid of Christ because he Christ only he can do far more abundantly than we can all ask or think only Christ is building his church only Christ was crucified dead and buried 
raised to life, to never die again. So once we're born, we can be born again, born again to begin again, born again to never die again. So avoid a life devoid of Christ because only Christ came into an already condemned world ready to save it. Like it's only Christ who destroys the works of the devil. Like it's only Christ who endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. It's only Christ who was forsaken so we can be forgiven. It's only Christ who was given so that for all of us who will turn to him, we can experience life now and in heaven. It's only Christ who said it is finished. It's only him who judges and justifies with perfect judgment and justice. So avoid a life devoid of Christ. It's only him who is the mediator between God and man, who's making all things new according to John the Revelator. It's Jesus, only him. So avoid a life devoid of Christ because it's only Christ who is the, has the name that's above every name. The only name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Avoid a life devoid of Christ. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would you join us in avoiding a life devoid of Christ? Father, we thank you for worship today. As we continue to worship and sing from our hearts, God, would you give us a passion to avoid a life devoid of you? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.